0: Welcome to Energy Matters to You April 2017 edition. The Energy Matters to You podcast is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. The Energy Matters to You podcast seeks to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. Today's podcast is brought to you with support from Northeast Efficiency Supply. Northeast Efficiency Supply, with a deep understanding of utility efficiency programs, construction logistics, and manufacturing nuances, NES is the premier distributor for ESCOs and end users alike. We are your host. My name is Leo Ryan. I'm here with my co-host, Ron Galuli. Ron, how are you? Are you doing well, Leo? How about yourself? All good here, thanks. Ron, I understand that you were over at MIT recently for the uh, micro microgrid distributed energy resources uh, controller symposium. How was that?
1: Leo, uh, I was surprised. It was a sellout crowd there. Uh, there had yep. to be more than 300 people there, mostly engineering-minded uh, attendees. Yeah, at the wow. controller symposium. Who put that on? That was uh, put on by the Mass Clean Energy Center. Um, okay. You know they're interested in advancing microgrids. You know it was it was a great turnout, and the, the takeaway was it, it appears that technology is there, but one fundamental component that's lacking right now is the business model for the utility to be able to incorporate microgrids uh, in their their uh, their network.
0: Yeah, did you get a direct read from the utility about how they're approaching distributed energy resources?
1: Well, you know, National Grid, for example, has um, created a separate department called New Energy Solutions. So it's yep. my understanding. I think there's as many as 80 to 100 people working in that group. So oh. they're serious about it. Uh, they know there's changes coming. And they want to be ahead of the curve.
2: Yeah. Uh, Do
0: they have anyone in the room uh, representing National Grid and talking about um and, and controllers? Yes.
1: Yeah, actually, Carlos Newell, vice president of New Energy Solutions, did speak. And he was probably the only, I guess, non-technical subject matter that, that was um, on the agenda, but he did speak about the business needs and that the utility needed the regulatory model. Um, and essentially, they need to make money if they're going to be involved in microgrids. So that was that was the takeaway. Um, it, they need to be made whole, and it has to be fair for everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great intel, Ron. Thanks for tracking that down. That's an area, a very, very hot area, the whole interplay between utilities and distributed energy resources. potential. for giving us that report. Thank you. Well, let's get right to it. We do have somebody creating jobs in the energy efficiency sector with us today, that uh, being John Alba, who's uh, Managing Director of Northeast Efficiency Supply, a, a group that uh, you, Ron, have done some business in the past. Uh, John, Welcome.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you both having
0: me here today. That's great having you here. So I understand that uh, NES positions itself as a specialty lighting distributor focused on, on value-added distribution services, uh, that the suite of services includes audit and design services, services, and that uh, you've got a great relationship with the utilities. You've been working with Mass Save, National Grid, Rhode Island, and, and Energize, Connecticut. Uh, great to have you
2: with us. Thank you. I do appreciate Yeah, that's correct. We've um, found some great success. We're, we're a young company. We're only a few years old, but uh, we have found some great success by partnering with those utilities that you mentioned and, and working in this economy that, as Ron pointed out, is, uh, is really ripe for growth for a lot of people. So, John,
0: start us off by talking about what was the motivation for you to get started? What problem did you see in the marketplace that, that you and your company wanted to solve?
2: Well, I think that um, really kind of that innovative, kind of the innovative market that is taking place right now and, and the technology changes. We're, we're specifically a, a lighting distributor. And over the last few years, that's quickly translated into really being uh, a, an LED distributor. Most of our sales are in LED lighting now. Okay. And, and that innovation and that quick change of the technology has really created an environment where a distributor really needs to be more than just a commodities broker where they're just buying and selling widgets. Um, You need to be able to have services and value that you bring around your products because the products are getting to a point where many people who purchase them can't educate themselves or keep up on the advances that are out there.
0: Right, right. Hey, Ron, you've been around the the marketplace in energy efficiency and in lighting, in particular. Uh, do you have any kind of any anything you want to follow up with John on a, a, about the marketplace and its evolution? Well, w- one
1: of the things, and we've talked about this before, is the the advancements in the LED marketplace. We've seen you know transitions from traditional business models for delivering lighting, say, uh, to distributorships like John's that you know, specialize in, in delivering uh, unique products, uh, and in some cases, you know, considering incentives. It's just been staggering as far as, you know, in the last eight years, the changes in the marketplace. You used to have the big three, GE, Sylvania, Phillips, and now there's just a host of manufacturers out there that folks like John can represent and um, help develop the market.
0: Yeah. So, John, talk to us. Uh, you know, the, it's, it's only been a couple of years. Was it was there a particular moment when you decided, listen, I've got to I've got to get out and st- get it started, or was it a client who came to you and said, Hey, John, I need some help? How did uh, NES get get
2: on the board? I think you know, for me personally, it was really kind of an evolution over my own career. You know, over the last twenty years or so, I've worked in most of the various stops in the sales of the supply channel for lighting. I've worked starting out um, on the end of the channel on the recycling side and then worked in the manufacturing side. And I really cut my teeth working for a couple of the nation's largest distributors of lighting. And then uh, where Ron and I met at Horizon, I was on the ESCO side and uh, bringing turnkey projects to market. So kind of seeing that evolution of the technology and the speed at which the technology was moving and th- the pieces that were missing because of that from the uh, – I guess an educational and, and consultative approach of selling, uh, along with those various places in the supply chain where I work, I really s- kind of saw the opportunity to to just kind of bring it together and, and make it work a little a little better. There's a lot of times where the ESCO market, and, and I guess you know another piece of this is, is also you, you know you asked what the problem was. It's kind of that technology moving forward, but even more so, uh, it was really getting some of those advancing technologies into the small C&I market. Okay. And that small C&I market you know, is defined locally by the utilities as you know, either 200 or 300 kW in, in average demand. Okay. So, so that market had these whole host of companies out there that really needed these products. And then you've got the, the ESCO world and the traditional turnkey project providers out there that that may not want to chase those smaller companies. Okay. Uh, so the utility, you know, at the same time that I'm kind of seeing all these pieces in the supply chain, the utility focus kind of shifted as well, where they used to be more of a downstream incentive program, where, you know, you would do a project in your building, you'd put it all in, at the end of it, they'd come through and you would get a check back to help offset the cost of using this advanced product. Uh, Some utilities would call it rebates, some would call it incentives, but it was all on the back end side of it. So it would be referred to as the downstream side. ESCOs might not not want to chase the mom and pops to have to go through all that work to get those, those projects in place. So the utility kind of shifted that focus and started to move to more of what they call an upstream or a midstream approach, where those incentive dollars are infused at the distributor level allowing the distributor to reach out to many of its small clients that fit that market that's being under-penetrated and take the paperwork load off them, kind of break down that barrier for the decision-making process, and really leverage their footprint in the market. So it really was kind of all of these things coming together, seeing the various pieces of the supply chain from an experiential standpoint, seeing the changes in the markets um, from a utility standpoint. And, really, I would say, you know, in the, in the probably last five years or so, that's where it really kind of all coalesced. Right. Um, we, we, we kind of ticked off in uh, 2013 based on all those various market conditions.
0: Yeah. That's really helpful as a, as a uh, description of where the, how the utilities have evolved and how you've met them in their evolution. Uh, you would mentioned that the small CNR, I-Market, 200, 300 KW-type facilities Give us an idea of who those people are. How what are the, what are those kind of businesses that somebody might see that, that fit into that energy usage area? Sure, and and, and
2: the word small scene I can kind of be deceiving there because two or three hundred KW in average demand can facilitate a pretty big building. If you had a, a warehouse, you know, that, that could literally be, you know, hundreds of, of high bay lights throughout a warehouse, you yeah. know. And it would be a fairly large physical building. Um, but it can be anyone from a mom-and-pop pizza shop that has 10 recessed troughers in the ceiling to that, you know, maybe 75,000-square-foot warehouse that has racks full of, uh, of, uh, of aisle lighting. So there's a pretty good range there. And um, it, it does all get grouped by the utility. But it does take a certain focus on that to go penetrate that. And they just there weren't a lot of opp- opportunities or ways to do that in some of the previous uh, attempts for incentives. Well,
0: anybody who's been working in the energy efficiency space knows that when you approach customers that are running a pizza shop or a 75,000 square foot warehouse, they don't have sufficient resources to have one person dedicated to energy management or energy efficiency projects. So, John, just talk to us a little bit about So this education and consultative process that you bring to those groups, what kind of objections do you hear? What kind of benefits are you highlighting to
2: motivate people to to make changes in their operation? Right, and I think that's where we've been able to really shine and we've kind of carved out a niche for ourselves. You mentioned earlier we we offer audit services. And and really we have uh, the on-staff capabilities to do a complete uh, investment-grade audit of a facility's lighting, existing lighting. We can go ahead and go through the design process, help them specify fixtures. If they need us to do the paperwork, then we can do the paperwork with the utility. If it's a downstream program or a, a CDO program, if it's an upstream program, it gets the paperwork off of them that way. So we really are able to kind of take the bits and pieces of of the process and, and make it easier for people. You know, we, we like to say that we don't want to be out there selling people stuff. We want to be out there helping people buy things, yeah, perfect. and uh, it, there is a, there's a difference there. Uh, and, and that skill set is, is good for us because it's transferable from both end, user, uh, from end users to energy service companies where an end user may have the bandwidth. They might have an on-staff uh, on- electrician or staff that can actually physically do the project, but they don't necessarily have the knowledge base to get the the project executed. On the flip side of it, you may have an ESCO that doesn't have the bandwidth to get through as many projects if they have to get tied up in these audit paperwork specification pieces. So they could be out selling more projects, or the end user could be getting their own project implemented. Um, just by kind of picking what level of engagement they need us to take.
0: That's great. And that's where NES fits in. It can fit into all those different boxes, either supporting the ESCO or going directly to the owners of the small C&I companies.
2: That's correct. Yeah,
0: good. Hey, John, I'll give you a chance. Uh, Any particular projects or or wins that, that stand out as true success story that a good illustration of What makes you unique and and the kind of values that you bring into your marketplace? Love to get a a, a couple of success stories from you.
2: Yeah, and I think I've got a couple that will kind of outline what we just discussed as as far as the skill sets are concerned. You know, as far as end users are concerned, we had uh, the City of Providence and the Roger Williams Park and Zoo. They have the full electrical staff um, that's, you know, they're there every day. And, They may be busy some days, but maybe not other days. Uh, They wouldn't necessarily know how to go through and design and specify this project, realize all the possible incentives. So we really came in and helped them get kind of the the project design done, get the paperwork done, the bill of materials developed, and the associated incentives that would go with it. And then we helped them manage the the logistical flow of material in and out of the parks. And that project. Advantage of upstream incentives and downstream incentives, um, and there were there were also um, advanced wireless wireless control incentives that were wrapped into that project. And at the end of the day, they have a project that all of their site lighting is wirelessly IP addressable. You can control any fixture off your cell phone, and they probably would not have been able to put that project together with that level of sophistication. It also stands a lot of different types of fixtures. You could go in the, the, the zoo parking lot, and it might just be a regular area light, which they have control over and all that, but it's, it's nothing special. It's just kind of a commodity light. Sure. If you go down to the bandstand, we've gone through an entire um, retrofit of the bandstand with them at the park where they do you know wedding pictures and things of that nature, and it had to be a, a very aesthetically pleasing fixture. It had to be approved by the historical society in the city so to help them navigate all those various nuances of the project they did need someone that could come in and do that
1: yeah
2: that's if they were to go through the traditional ESCO model they might not have been able to afford to do some of other things that they would have done
1: right
2: where at the distributor level we're able to kind of grab incentives from different pools and help them get that through right that's a great so I think that that was one that really went well.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, John, as you're going through that, I'm thinking about all of the the, the variances and nuances required in the particular location, and then the the paperwork and the utility interaction, I'm thinking about that. But Ron, I, I wanted to get you to weigh in on the technology. I mean, John described the project that had a whole bunch of different technologies rolled up into one, and you've seen evolution in the lighting industry in particular, anything that uh, you can shed on uh, on the light on the light here, in particular with like how are these smaller companies keeping up uh, with with changes in technology? Well, uh, for the most part, they're not. So that's where companies
1: like Johns come in, and you know helps the city of Providence because typically you may have a distributor that may have a lighting specialist, but they're under a lot of pressure to move product. Um, and they might not get the attention. And to John's point, you know, he's found that niche where, yes, an ESCO can help Roger Williams Park, but you know what? They have their own labor force. They don't, they don't need somebody to do the labor. Um, so, you know, the margins, you know, that additional margin by hiring a turnkey ESCO and saving of that, that cost has enabled customers to be able to do these projects. And we see it on the mechanical side as well. Right. Um, you know, the ESCOs have their time and place, and John's found a niche where he's found a little void in the market um, where customers need help with technology, but they they need a, a the price point to make it happen as well.
2: Right, that's right. And I think there's still a really good space for those ESCOs there as well. I mean, you know, another another story that I would think of is the Holyoke Mall, and that was a beautiful project. It was over a thousand downlights throughout the mall, you know, it's a a good sized mall, and it was still something that was managed by an ESCO. Um, The ESCO was actually an out-of-state ESCO. They had relationships with the corporate headquarters of the mall. They wanted to execute a project at the location, and we were able there to go do the audit for them, get them their existing inventory get all that information back to them. They did their own design work, took their own pictures, and then we managed receiving the material, getting it on site when they needed it for their subcontractors to go and install it. So I think that the, the escrow will continue to thrive in, in this kind of changing uh, environment as well, um, but, they, but they too will need to look to other ways to do that. And, you know, if, if I can help them do that by taking, you know, three trips from New York to Massachusetts, out of the mix for that project, and I want to be there on that side also.
0: Yeah. So, John, um, you've given us uh, three good examples of a potential uh, target partner uh, for you to work with. The, the, the whole ESCO market, we've got an, an, an a great story from a, from a zoo and from a mall. If I asked you, um, who would you like to get this podcast in front of? Who do you want to get your message in front of? Who's your next best client? I, I think
2: that... Um, you know, if you looked at kind of those those, I would say mid-sized escrows where maybe you're doing 10 to 15 million in annual revenue, you're, you're getting going, you're, you're really you're thriving, but you still have bandwidth issues. You still, you know, you could still be selling more projects if you didn't have to worry about the auditing, the managing of the materials, all kind of the the tedious things that you don't need to have the highest. Um, the, the highest level of attention put on, you could go be putting that attention on your next sale and, and filling your pipeline. I think that's a, a great um, target customer for me. The other thing would be going back to the end user side of it. Maybe you have a property management company or you know a, a, a good sized commercial building, and you have staff that's employed. You know you you employ a subcontractor that has an electrician on staff. They have uh, a maintenance guy on You know, all these people can be employed to help deliver projects that maybe you wouldn't have looked at them that way before. But if we give them the right guidance and direction, then that can all of a sudden be kind of your your in-house escrow that you weren't using before.
0: Yeah, outstanding. That that's great. So that's a that's a broad market. There's a lot of folks that you can serve. So John Alba, managing director of Northeast Efficiency Supply, I want to thank you for. Joining Energy Matters to you and welcome and welcoming you to the family of podcasters who, who've joined us. I, I truly
2: appreciate the opportunity. I, I thank you both, and uh, I think you're doing some great things with this podcast.
0: So we'll be watching Northeast Thanks. Efficiency Supply, and uh, folks who want to follow up directly, you can do so by contacting John Alba, ALBA, through LinkedIn or Northeast Efficiency Supply on, on the web. We'd like to thank all the folks who have taken time to download and listen to the Energy Matters 2 podcast.
1: If you'd like to join us on a future podcast, please reach out to Leo or I. Uh, Leo can be reached on firststepsconsulting.com or LinkedIn, and I can be reached on LinkedIn as well. Thank you.
2: This has been Leo Ryan
0: and Ryan Valuli. Thanks for listening. Once again, we'd like to thank today's sponsor, Northeast Efficiency Supply, NES, reducing costs through sustainable products.